stay up to date on the green and gold all off season. The green and gold fix podcast is brought to you by Potawatomi casino hotel, luxury stay, elite play unwind in sophisticated comfort, win big dine and experience the events in Milwaukee. It is my friend, the terrific Charles Robinson. Charles, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Bill Belichick is, is all of us. He's like all of us, right? He, yeah, I was also surprised at his overuse of punctuation after yes. giant question mark, exclamation point, question mark. I, I was like, dude, this is, I imagined in my mind, Bill Belichick punching out question marks and exclamation marks after a word. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little surprised we didn't see any emojis or because once <laughs> he figured out what happened, it was kind of just signing it BB and being done with it. Beep. The whole thing Beep. was just awkward. Yeah, sorry, sorry, f this up, BB. <laughs> like that's, that's one way to exit a, a conversation. Like uh, uh, it's a pretty remarkable though. Hey, Charles, anything like that, obviously not to the degree, but any texting uh, mishaps that you've had with all, you know, with getting information, anything like that even close happened to you? Um, I have, I, you know, I've definitely texted the wrong, you know, I left a text message conversation was at the top of my phone or whatever, thought I was responding to someone else, and, and but nothing, I mean, that probably the most embarrassing thing I ever did was, um, I hate to admit this, but years ago, someone who I had a lot of um, battles with and and issues with in the NFL, uh, they got fired. And I got an email notifying me that they had been fired. And when I responded, uh, I, I actually sent it to an editor sort of celebrating their firing, and I accidentally included them on the email. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't one of my finest moments, but uh, yeah. Thankfully, though, I'm pretty certain that it was their t- it was their team email address, and I'm pretty certain that by the time I had gotten word that they'd been fired, <laughs> they'd been cut off of their team email. So, but the thing was, I didn't even know I had done it until my editor responded and said, like, dude, did you really include him on this email? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I panicked. I freaked out. One of the greatest moment in my Savage. Career, sure. Savage. Uh, all right, yeah. Charles, in all seriousness, as you've watched this and reported on this Brian Flores lawsuit, which he has done a number of media interviews, he's been making the rounds oh, yeah. on various shows, um, what's kind of your 30,000-foot view of this? Tausch and I, one of the things we have been talking about is not only the lawsuit itself, but what it could uncover in the discovery process yeah. about this league that it doesn't want out there. Well, there was a development yesterday that I thought was interesting because this all started with him, you know, putting Bill Belichick's text in there was, was pretty intriguing immediately because you're like, wow, okay, you just burned your relationship with Bill. But he went further, further than that. Um, you know, he's on a podcast that's associated with NPR, and he came out and said, essentially, not essentially, I mean, he said, look, Bill's part of the problem. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that um, he didn't feel like Bill let the cat out of the bag. He felt like Bill put the cat in the bag. He thought Bill had a, had played a part in Brian Dayball getting that job, and he said that's part of the problem. And 
so I, I, you know, just seeing it sort of roll into that territory, it made more sense that Belichick's text messages were included in, in this because, like, clearly he plans on going much further with Bill Belichick than he had um, at least initially. And to say, hey, he's part of the problem and he played a part in this whole thing occurring with the Giants – um, you're now focusing a spotlight on Bill Belichick, and he's going to be, if this is something that advances into a courtroom, um, he would be part of everything. I mean, you're talking about a deposition, you're talking about discovery, you're talking about Bill Belichick. Um, I kind of compared it to, you know, Colonel Nathan Jessup, like on the witness stand, you know, um, shouting, you can't handle the truth. I mean, like that's where Bill would end up on, on a witness stand having to answer questions about his role in all this under oath and um that was pretty was pretty wild to see it land there on thursday and start to wonder how much further this could go but in terms of like you said the thirty thousand you know foot view it affects I, i think a lot of different layers of the nfl ecosystem because he's saying okay here's systemic racism number one that's global that's everything that's all these different parts of the nfl when it comes to, you know, black head coaches or black coaches and um, the hiring, the firing, the opportunities they get, the second chances they get, the expectations that they have, things that occur in terms of building process, all that. Then you have him accusing um, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross of incentivizing tanking, you know, offer him $100,000 per loss in 2019, which if that can be proven, um you know, Ross, there's a very good possibility that Ross is no longer the owner of the Dolphins. He'd be forced to, to sell the team. And um, and then he also, the third tier of this, which is almost forgotten in all this, is another player that has been reported to be Tom Brady. Any one of those on their own would be a massive, you know, story. But the fact that he's rolled them all into this lawsuit It's going to be very curious to see what can be proven and what can't, but I can tell you the NFL is going to file as many motions as possible to dismiss all of this, and if not all of it, um, you know, key parts and assertions that are made, they'll they'll try to pick those all off. Um, But we'll see. And, And by the way, Flores has also said, He's declined to get into detail about the tanking, the $100,000 per loss in 2019 um, allegation. But he has said, hey, other people knew about this. And um, the Athletic has reported someone even heard it, you know, heard it come out of Stephen Ross's mouth, who is secondary to Flores. So if that, I mean, that's for ownership, um, for Stephen Ross, that's a, that's a little ball of wax. Like, I don't see how an owner would ever survive something as – um, directly incentivized to losses uh, and re- remain an NFL owner. So, Charles, you have obviously a ton of experience with the legal system as it relates to sports, all of your investigative work earlier in your career. You know the law. And by the way, I have this vision mm-hmm. of of Belichick saying, we're on to depositions. Um, but you made a reference to A Few Good Men, and that's one of my favorite movies. And one of the things that Tom Cruise says in that film is, you all live in this fantasy world. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. As you see all these allegations, I I know you had a piece uh, about Hugh Jackson and what he said about Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland. Uh, How how big of a challenge do you think 
Flores faces, especially given the army of lawyers that the NFL will be able to deploy, of actually being able to prove a lot of these things that he is saying in his suit? It's monumental. And, you know, Flores, these are great attorneys. You know, he's hired. This is a white shoes law firm. I mean, this is a they're they're big boys that he's swimming with in terms of um, uh, legal standing. But that said, um, if you start with Ross and the the hundred thousand dollar, you know, claim, um, it's going to come down to, okay, who are the other witnesses? Because it can't be a he said, he said situation. He will lose that. And in my experience, and if someone else heard it, if there's some sort of um, evidence that is, you know, payments that were made, um, was the incentive plan, you know, carried through by ownership? Like if if some of that exists, I mean, that's going to need to be brought to the table. Um, the the tampering stuff with Brady. Um, again, that would have to be, there has to be some proof of that. There has to be some knowledge someone else in the organization has, and they're willing to speak about it under oath, and and that would carry weight. What's interesting about the um, systemic discrimination um, aspect of this, there's a ton of data, <clears throat> excuse me, that backs up what he's saying, okay? it's I, I thought Mike Florio had a good way of talking about it where he said, look, if I'm a lawyer and I'm in front of a jury, and I say, hey, I'm going to flip this quarter 500 times, and it comes up heads 490 times. Something's wrong with this court. Like, it's pretty clear through the data that something is not um, even out there in, in the world of these coaching interviews. One thing, though, that's really interesting, um, he admitted, Brian Flores admitted, and his lawyers have admitted, that he w- was in contact with those lawyers prior to going to the Giants interview, okay, and that his lawyers even reached out to CBS about scheduling um, a media appearance with them prior to him going to the Giants interview with the assumption that he's going to go to this interview, it's going to be a sham interview, he's not going to get the job, and then we're going to move forward with a lawsuit. If you're an attorney for the NFL, you're going to say to Brian, so let's put Brian Flores in the witness on the witness stand. They're going to say, okay, so you knew. You, you, you said you received these text messages from Bill Belichick who's not in the Bills organization, he's not in the Giants organization, but it led you to believe that Brian Dayball had the job and it wasn't yours, correct? Yes. Okay. So you're telling us you went to this interview with the Giants believing it wasn't your job. Um, you you had this mindset and you, you have said that you were upset about it, all these different things. How do you know for sure that you didn't put your you, – it didn't hinder – the meeting that you had with them, the interview that you had, the dinner that you had, how do you know that that being in your mind, your certainty that you'd lost the job, when in point of fact you cannot prove 100% that uh, you could not have won that job over in this experience, how do you know that it didn't taint the entire process for you and ultimately cost you the job just because you believed Bill Belichick was right? And why didn't you just ask the Giants if Bill Belichick was right? You see what I'm saying? They're basically, well, the way they would attack Brian, Dave, uh, Brian Flores here is to say, you poison the tree yourself because you believe this guy who doesn't work for any of those organizations. He's not God. And that's sort of what the Giants said when they came out. Mr. Belichick does not work for the Giants, nor is he associated, in, you know, whatever the statement was, with the process or any of this. And so I think the lawyers for the NFL would just say to Brian Flores, you, you can't prove that you didn't undermine yourself by believing this other guy. And, and by the way, never asking the Giants if it was true.
So, Charles, I guess moving the ball forward, is this obviously the, you know, people are looking at the ownership groups and the, you know, the, the fact that there's only one African-American head coach. It, where does Roger Goodell fall on this? And do you think that maybe a, you know, his contract is running out here, I think, after 23? Is, there, is, is that a part of this? Because for, there have been some, obviously some improvements within the league office, but we haven't seen that uh, carry over into the actual coaching tree. Do you think some? Do you think Roger Goodell is you know at fault here as well because he doesn't seem to be taking a lot of heat with all the stuff that's going on? Well, I think um, I think the reason why Roger isn't getting hammered right now is is because people have arrived at the point of like, how does this change? Like, what what? And no one has a really good answer for. Um, the path to meaningful change largely because it has to do with the, you know, 31 um, owners and one ownership group. Like there's, there's all these other entities that are in this fraternity and they have more flu influence um, that, you know, than Roger really does. I mean, he can ask them to do something. He can try to incentivize it. He can do all these different things, but ultimately they don't have to follow any of it. And that's how we've arrived at Mike Tomlin um, being the, as you said, the lone African American coach right now in the NFL, and all the hires, by the way, being white right now in this cycle. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's part of it. But I think if you're the league, like what they're saying when you talk to people in the league off spine, the scenes, the way they're defending what's, I guess, the progress that they've made is they've said, like, I'll tell you, like, an exact conversation I had someone. He said, look, you guys used to say, it's never going to be black quarterbacks. Like the league's never going to advance past, you know, this racial bias at the position. Um, and there just won't be any progress made. He said, now look, he's like, that's, that's proven out to be false. Like it is, things have changed at the position, um, which you said could not occur. And then they said, uh, and you guys also said, there's never going to be, um, you know, black executives, you know, across the entire league. He said, how many general managers now are black? black general managers how many minority executives do we have um that's been effective change and essentially what this person said to me was now we just need to figure out why is it succeeded in these other areas but has not succeeded with the head coaching position or with certain coordinator you know coordinator numbers and once we can figure that out that's where the progress will take place he said we've clearly suffered a, a, a rollback here that's a problem we have to but we have to understand why it's working in some areas, but clearly not working in the head coach aspect. It's an interesting answer, you know, and mm. I can't sit here and say that, Hey, there, there clearly has not, there has been some change on the, on the executive level um, in front offices, but they also, by the way, clearly do not fully understand why, um, the the head coaches have not reflected sort of a similar change that has occurred right. in, in progress in the front office. All right, Charles, we'd be remiss if we had you on and we didn't ask you about uh, this fellow that may or may not be the Green Bay Packers quarterback but is likely to be the four-time NFL MVP in second straight year. Uh, stories out there that he's purchasing land in Nashville and uh, – Moving there or building a house there uh, sounds to me like he might be making his uh, post-football career his home there, but along with Randall Cobb and some others. But 
Where's he going to be playing football next year? And what are you what are you hearing? And what are you thinking as you watch Rogers watch unfold? I was hoping you guys could give me some. <laughs> I I feel like we're all in the in the same boat together, looking at each other, going, "You you got an oar? You have an oar? Because we're we're not really moving here. Like, some of us, somebody's got to get this thing moving." Um, look, I I can only tell you that in terms of the interest of field for Aaron um, is considerable. Um, he would be, and, and, you know, if you're asking me would the Titans be interested, the answer is absolutely yes. Would the Broncos be interested? The answer is absolutely yes. Pittsburgh, I mean, you can, you can, I could, we could rattle off 10 teams that would love to have him. Carolina would love to have him. Um, it's just, a, what are the cap implications of it? And, and I had a chance to talk to a head coach and a GM um, in sort of dueling, not sort of, they're, they're in dueling franchises and about Aaron. And I said, how would you make, you know, how would you make this work with your cap situation? Because neither has a great cap situation. And they're like, ah, don't worry about it. Like there's a way that, you know, you just throw in voidable years, you spread it out. They're like, we'll get killed <laughs> down the line. But they but they basically pointed at the Buccaneers and they said, look at Tampa right now. They're like Tampa's not in great shape. They're like, they got a bunch of free agents. It looks like they're pretty close to having to rebuild now that Tom's gone. But what do they care? They got the Super Bowl they wanted. Like they got the success they wanted. That's the point. And that is why both of them said the same thing in different ways. That's why they would go after Aaron, if he was available, that's why they'd give up considerable assets. We're talking multiple first round. We're talking like a a Deshaun Watson type package when that was talked about. Hey, three first round picks, no problem. Absolutely, they would do it because they're saying he's it. He turns the key on our Super Bowl, and that's ultimately what this is about. And interestingly, the coach said to me, too, he said, hey, look at the Rams. So you guys are all celebrating them right now. They have a first-round draft pick for the next couple of years, two years. They're like, look at how many assets they've burned through to turn that team around quickly in three years. And, you know, some teams are a little more open to that now, you know, saying if we got to deal picks for a proven player and it delivers a Super Bowl, you just you deal with the rebuild that comes afterward and the, and the cap pain that comes afterward. So... Um, I don't know for sure that he would end up in Tennessee. It makes a ton of sense um, to me because that is clearly what is plaguing the franchise. They learned that this year that, hey, no matter what, no matter what we do with Derrick Henry, no matter what we do with the run game, we're going to have to lean on a quarterback, and he's going to have to be able to have the success in the postseason when we do that. And, you know, they learned this year that at times Tannehill just makes costly mistakes. So, um like I said, it makes that makes a lot of sense there. But as you said, it could be as simple as him preparing for life after football. But there's a lot of synergy in building and continuing your life in the same place that you end your career. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, Charles, yeah. you're a you're a proven player. We'll give up all of our draft picks for when you come back to talk more Aaron Rodgers down the road. Thanks for making time for us, buddy. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, and and the next time I see Charles Woodson, I will be like, hey, in Wildy's phone, <laughs> we're right, we were right next to each other, and I am. that's the only time I'll ever be in your class. <laughs> all, all, only one has the uncle title, though. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> all right, take care, guys. That is Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. We need to do our Steinhoffel's Pro Bowl of Food pick. 
which means we need caller 5. Right now, 844-770-3776. 844-770-3776. We'll play next. It's Will Dean Tausch.